reading in verse chapter 1, verse number 26. Everybody there? <coughs> and then the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the, a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want you to catch a phrase that is in here. A lot of times we think that this only has something to do with the life of Jesus, with the birth of Jesus, with the conception of Jesus, and it does. But it has more to do than just that. Here is the phrase. And the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. God still moves this way today. Have you ever felt the presence of God? Have you ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit when He moves in a service? I was in a service one day, and I was ministering to a lady that was around 80 years old and wasn't saved. She said her daddy was a so-called preacher. But he loved his women. See, there's all kind of vices that people have. And this had been a stumbling block to her all of her life. Her daddy, who should have been an example of the way to lead her to Jesus, was a way that was leading her away from Jesus. There's a terrific responsibility that we have as parents and grandparents. Don't leave everything up just the chance. But I led her in the sinner's prayer. And after I led her in the sinner's prayer, she said, um, 
Nothing happened. I said, okay. That ain't the way this works. I didn't tell her that, but I said that in my, in my mind. And I said, uh, reach, a, reach a hand out. Because you're reaching out to heaven. You're not reaching out to a man. Your answer is coming from God. So reach your hand out toward heaven. And she reached her hand out toward heaven. And I said, now I want you to take a hold of Jesus. And I said, I want you to pull him to your heart. And when she did, the presence of God was so beautiful in that church that if you would have said one word, just one word, you would have been in total irreverence. Because it was a holy... See, there's times to shout. There's times to laugh. There's times to cry. But there's also times to be quiet. This was the really one of the main ones. <laughs> My eyes looked around. I told you it was time to be quiet. <laughs> Because the Holy Ghost was moving that way. And he was doing something in that woman's life. And he didn't need no aid from nobody else. Because the Holy Ghost came upon him. And the power of the highest of God. <coughs> Miracles still take place today. The same exact way. So he's given us something. To, to, but there's, there's, there's something here I want you to see about Mary. I haven't finished reading it. <coughs> but there's something I want you to see about Mary. This thing didn't just happen by accident. She had been preparing. She had been preparing herself. Not that she did, She had no clue that she was going to be the one who was be, going to carry the Messiah. That was going to be chosen. But there was something that marked her preparation. She was faithful to God. Amen. See, being faithful to God is always your preparation for the Holy Ghost to come upon you. Amen. And the power of the highest to overshadow you. Mm -hmm. So there's things that you can do. To enhance a miracle in your life. Now let's read a little further. Go to chapter 2. Now I know this ain't in the Bible. You might say. But let's see what the Bible has to say. Verse number 1, chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now you know that ain't in the Bible. But it was. Could God use something like this as a means for a miracle to come? See, a lot of times we're looking at the wrong things and we're looking at the wrong ways. And we think that God has forgot all about us. But I want you to see something. 
that's going to take place. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought first her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now I want you to catch this phrase. And the angel of the Lord came upon them. What did the Holy Ghost do? He came upon And what did the power of the Most High do? It overshadowed them. Now let me read it. Catch those words. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. They had come in contact with an angelic being. Sort of like being called to the principal's desk. What's he want with me? What have I done? You know, a lot of times we think because we're kind of programmed this way from the fall that any time that God's got something to say to you, it's bad news. Well, God ain't the bearer of bad news. God is the bearer of good news. And we're supposed to be carriers of the good news. But a lot of times we find ourselves on the other side of the fence and we're gloom and doom carriers instead of light bearers. God's calling us up to a higher place. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is a message from God. Good news accompanied by great joy. What will great joy look like on your face? It will change your countenance. Mm -hmm. Which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude uh, with, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away 
from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which were told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart, and all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. And ask that you grant us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine others this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Expecting a miracle. It never ceases to amaze me when birth takes place, when conception takes place, and the process. Every time I see a baby, I look and I say, that is a miracle. Truly a miracle. And you say, well, people will say that it's just a natural process. Yeah, it is a natural process. But there's something that's miraculous about that process. I told this story before, and I want to tell it again because it humors me every time I tell it. Holly's our first child. And when Holly was born, she came a little bit early. My mom and dad, my sister, had gone off that day when they got back. We had a new baby. <clears throat> On the way to the hospital, we had a flat tire. I, never, I don't usually share that part of the story because a lot of times it gets, what in the world? We were for coming from Overport, Pantega. We got up almost in Plymouth. In fact, it was right in front of where Thomas's barbershop is at right now. Right on 32. And that 
Oh, four pickups. You say, well, what did you do? I kept running and going to the hospital. They had steel wheels before they had rubber wheels. I drove on to the hospital. Holly was born. I got home that afternoon and I was so excited and I tell mom, I said, guess what? I said, we got a baby. She said, no, you ain't. I said, yes, we do. And I said, and she is beautiful too. All them little features were just so distinct. You look at the little nose and the little nose. You mamas know what I'm talking about. You look at everything on that child to find out and see if everything is in place. Am I telling the truth? Yes. And I said, she's beautiful too. And my mama says these words. She said, every old cow thinks their calf is pretty. <laughs> You just had to know my mama to appreciate it. Uh, but there's something beautiful about that miracle. And it's humbling every time that you see it take place. Just truly amazing. It wasn't any different from Mary. Now, you ladies, I want you to think about this. Now, here I was on the way to the hospital because that birthing process was already in action. The transitioning from one world to another was already in the process. And I had a flat tire that could throw a lot of people in the pan. Some things are curveballs that are thrown at us that we sometimes we don't know just what to do. But I tell you this, it all worked out okay. It all worked out okay. And a lot of things, if, if things don't happen just in life, just the way that you would like for it to have happened, and you've been thrown a curveball, God's still got a way to work a miracle. Mm -hmm in ways that you don't think that they could, he could ever do. Now I want you to think about this one for a woman, you ladies, traveling from one city to another. And I forget just how far the distance was from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But it wasn't an hour ride, I can promise you. And here you've got a woman that the Bible calls her Great with child. And you mamas, you know this about yourself, that you'd be so full that if somebody were to take a pen and stick in you, you'd feel, you'd just explode. And she's either walking or riding on a donkey. For days to get to this place. I would call that an ultimate discomfort for a woman. But Mary did it. Why? 
because she was throwing a curveball. You think she would have liked to have been at, in Nazareth in her own little nursery? How do I think she had? How do you know she had a nursery? You ever seen a mama that didn't prepare for their baby? I've seen mama rats. And they would take and pull the hair out of their body and prepare a nest. Birds prepare a nest. Mothers prepare a nursery. It might be of the simplest of things. It might not be nothing but a box with some cloth in it. But in her mind, she's preparing for that baby because that baby is coming. Whether she wants it or not, when it's, when it's there and it's time to be delivered, and there they were thrown a curveball because they had to go to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And I was sharing with Sunday school, Isaiah had prophesied this 750 years before. Don't you think for a minute that you're not on God's radar and that he has missed out on you He's got everybody else, but he don't have you in his radar. I can tell you this. He's especially got you Amen. in his radar. And you say, well, how in the world can he use something like me to be beneficial to the kingdom of God? Are you worse than taxes? He used taxes to get Mary and Joseph from point A, Nazareth, to point B, Bethlehem. And when they got there, it was time for that baby to be born. Now, the conception of the baby was totally out of this world because Isaiah prophesied it like this. He said, a virgin shall bring forth a child. Virgins don't bring forth child. It's impossible. But it's not impossible with God. Wouldn't you say, well, a lot of times our mind would run like this and say, well, I wonder if he could do that again. If he had a need to do it again, but let me say something just to level the field so our minds don't run in places that they don't have no business running, thinking stupid thoughts instead of good thoughts. He needed one Messiah. He needed one Messiah to come this way. The one Messiah was prophesied and the one Messiah came. So, that was a fulfillment. He doesn't need another one because one will do. And one does. And one will always do. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He was good enough then. He's good enough now. He will always be good enough. And what he did 
will make the remedy for sin, for sickness, for disease, for spiritual death. You say, where in the world do you, why are you incorporating something like that into a message about Christmas? That ought to be an Easter message. Brothers and sisters, if it hadn't been for the birth of the Redeemer, there wouldn't be no resurrection and crucifixion. It takes the whole picture of God coming together to see what God has. And a lot of times we look at ourselves and we try to answer Scripture because of what I'm going through. You don't know what I've had to deal with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. No, I don't. But God, this didn't catch God by surprise. And your situation doesn't catch him by surprise either. And he's got you. And he's got a plan for you. And it's a beautiful plan. Yeah, but he was born in a stable. He was laid in a feed trough. He was wrapped with swaddling clothes. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Because there's been all kinds of ways that the people have described what these things, what all of these things meant. But when the angel appeared to the shepherds that were watching their flocks by night. And he says, in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior is born. He says, this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. We went to a birthday party one time and there was a newborn that was there that the, the mama and daddy had just, just brought, just a few days old. And the aunt takes this baby and lays a blanket down and lays the baby in the blanket and then does all of these folds. And when she finished, that baby looked like something that, you would, that an Eskimo would have wrapped up. I mean, that, that, that blankets were just so snug around her. And it looked so neat. I said, I sure would like to be able to fold a blanket like that. And they said the babies, when they were put in that, they felt that coziness because they've been in, inside of their mama. And now they're in this world, in this realm. And it was something to see that. That's not swaddling clothes that it was talking about in the Bible. What well, sounds like nice, it makes a nice story. But he's telling this here to a bunch of shepherds. Now don't, don't forget this part. He says, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Swaddling clothes and a manger is two things that a shepherd could identify with. Because when the lambs were birthed, they would take strips of cloth and wrap around the legs. 
Jesus was wrapped with strips of cloth and laid in a manger. And we say, oh, that is so romantic. Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It reminds me of the old woman that kept the gardens down in a plantation house in the south. And the people from the city came down there and said, uh, she was down there, and they said, oh, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. These, these guards are so immaculate. He said, they said, it looks like a fairy with a magic wand. said, poof, poof. And there they are, just so beautiful. And uh, the woman says, yep, that's exactly what happened. It was a fairy with a magic wand, but it had a hole on the end of it. A lot of times we forget about process. <coughs> God knows where you're at. He sees you right where you're at. But don't forget this. In the conception of the miracle of the birth of Jesus, all through the process, the Holy Ghost comes upon him. And the power of the Most High overshadows. The Holy Ghost is the power agency of God. Think about that for a minute. The Holy Ghost is the power agency of God. In creation, the very beginning, here we got creation of the birth and delivery of the Son of God. But in the very beginning, when the earth was without form and void, and the Holy Ghost is here, and the Word says, when you look it up, says that He was hovering. He was over top of the chaos and looking at it and just hovering. What was He waiting for? He was waiting for a word from God. God's still waiting to send words out to people. He needs something from us to hook up with Him. I've said this before and I want to say it again. Faith is the currency of heaven. You use money to buy things here on this earth. If you don't have the money, you don't get it. Somebody's got to pay. Nothing is purchased without money. It's just a medium of exchange. It ain't worth five cents in heaven. But there is something that heaven demands. And heaven demands, and the currency of heaven is faith. Smith Wigglesworth said it like this. God would walk past a million people in need to get to one person who would believe. Amen. Walk past a million people in need to get to one person who would believe. Now, I want you to think about that because you say, well, my need is great. Your need is not the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Well, why is God so cold and callous? He's not cold and callous. Let me say this. Would you give your son 
to die for somebody like you and me? Don't ever say that he doesn't care. Because there ain't nobody that cares like Jesus. Amen. Nobody. So, this was a sign unto them. It says, you'll find that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. This was something that a shepherd would know something about. A lot of other people wouldn't know nothing about it, but the shepherds. Who was, the, who was it for? Who was he talking to? Who was the angel talking to? He was talking to shepherds. Oh, you, you should have seen this most beautiful blanket. He didn't say a beautiful blanket. He said swaddling clothes. What was it wrapped up in? Cloth. What was there? Cloth. What was there? Cloth. Wrapped up. Wrapped up. And lying in a manger. And that sounds so romantic. Until you find out what a manger is. <laughs> and it ain't nothing but a feed trough. That's right. Where a dirty old cow's mouth has been. Or a lamb's mouth. My granddaddy used to raise the hogs the old-fashioned way. I didn't ever know that it was, he was up to date. He said they're called range hogs because they just range and roam around. And now they call them range hogs. They're free range. But he would take two boards and nail them together. And you could make it as long as you want. And a lot of his troughs were, some of them were about as long as from here to about here. And they were shaped like this and then they had a wooden board so that they looked for those of you who ain't never seen no farm, they would look, this would be the trough. And the end would be nailed on it like this. And the end was a little bit wider than it was. And it became a leg so that it wouldn't turn over. And there was one of these on each end. And they put the feet in there. And they'd eat and lick up every bit of the feed that was in it. It's no different with a cow. It's no different with a sheep. They're going to eat everything that's there in that trough. God chose for his son to be born in this setting. He's the one who chose Bethlehem of Judea. He knew that there wasn't going to be room for him in the end. So not, no matter what a person, where they're stationed at in life, from the lowest to the highest, there's a Savior that was born in Bethlehem to redeem them. And I want to rehearse this. I come in after I've had my time of fellowshipping with the Lord in the mornings. And uh, that bedroom is, is up here. And Sandy's right over here doing her thing, reading her Bible and doing her confessions and all. And she's in this chair. I'm in another room with a door shut. There's some things we do together and there's, there's some things we do apart. 
And I do my praise in the Lord apart. We do a lot of things praising the Lord together. So I come in when I finish. And I open up that door. And I look over at her in that chair and I say, I am who I am because the I am says who I am. <clears throat> now this is a strange concept for a lot of people. The I am is God. He's called in scripture the great I am. When the burning bush was taking place and Moses saw it, and Moses, he, he tells Moses, I'm sending you to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. He said, well, who am I going to tell them has sent me? He said, I am that I am. And if I am was good enough for Moses, I am is good enough for David. So I come in, there, in the room and I look at her and I say, I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. See, we need to put some stock in what God says in his word about us. In fact, you'll find yourself in the word of God. That's a strong statement right there. You will find yourself in the word of God because the word of God will paint a picture of just who you are. Now, the devil will try to talk people out and say, you don't want to get in that word. Because all it's going to do is keep things away from you. But I can tell you one thing. <clears throat> it will bring things to you. Amen. And the things that are removed over and when it's all over, said and done, you'll be glad they were gone. Because all that they were was something to keep you away from God. A lot of times we can't see that. So I remind myself every day I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. And I look at her and I say that I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. And she looks back at me with this sober look on her face and she says, well, who's the I am say you are? That's a fair question, ain't it? And I say, I am the redeemed. And she'll say, Redeemed from what? Fair question again. A good question deserves a good answer. Mm -hmm. See, but a lot of times people ain't after answers. They're just after spouting off questions. God is in the flow of answers. Mm -hmm. Answers will fix you. Answers will give you direction. And I say... I'm the redeemed. Redeemed from what? I am redeemed from spiritual death. You say, well, what in the world is spiritual death? Spiritual death in its simplest of definition is separated from God. Separated from God. See, this is what happened to Adam and Eve when they partook of the fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is how sneaky and how conniving that the devil is. He says, if you take of that fruit off of that tree, he said, you ain't going to die. And God said, the moment you take of it, he said, you'll surely die. He said, you ain't going to die. He said, you're going to become like God. 
And you know, you're going to know good from evil. You're going to be, you're going to be like God. Now here's the ironic thing. They were made in God's likeness and in His image. He had already breathed Himself into them. How much more like God can you get? How much more like God could they get than what they were? And the devil talking all of this junk. He's still smart, talking a lot of smack today. And people believe the smack rather than believe in the truth. You find yourself in the Word of God. So, he's redeemed me from separation from God because I believed on this Savior that was born in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. I made it a personal thing. Yeah, I want to know you. I want to know you. And then, I said, he's redeemed me from sickness and disease. See, God paints a picture that's bigger than what we are. And we may see ourselves sick, but he's redeemed me from sickness and disease. Yes, amen. He wants my picture to change, doesn't he, Elizabeth? Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Come, come up here. <laughs> she shared this testimony last Sunday, but praise God, I want her to share it again. I can't get my mouth off. Spit it out. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you be like the, the storekeeper. The man comes in and he says, uh, you got any good chewing tobacco? He said, I got some that's good. And he said, I got some that I think is good. He said, well, give me that that you know is good. He said, hang on to it. So. As most of everybody in here knows, I've been battling with my heart since May having a lot of issues going on and they kept telling me I was going to have to have surgery and I was going to have to have this and I was going to have to have that. Well, they put me on medication and they wanted me to stay on this medication for about three months and they wanted me to have a doctor's appointment. Well, every time the doctor's appointment came up, they kept moving it back. Kept moving it back. I said, okay, that's fine because God's time is not our time. God knows best. So December the 9th, I had my appointment. Well, I said, I'm going with great expectation because I know that I know that God has healed my body. Mm -hmm. So I get there that morning and I have my test done and I go in there and they do an echo on your heart, like, you know, ultrasound. So I'm in there and the nurse is in there and she, she probably done about 30 minutes worth of work and she looks at me and she said, have you had one of these done before? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, can I ask you why you're here? I said, yes, ma'am. They're checking my heart. Well, what's supposed to be wrong with it? I said, well, it's only working 35%. And the valves are not working and opening and closing. And it, there's in, um, inflammation inside the valve of the heart. She's like, oh. Well, she starts looking again. And then a few minutes later, she says, you know what? She says, I'm done here. I said, okay. So then we had to go wait in the waiting room, come back out. And we go to the doctor's office. Well, the doctor comes in and he says, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. He said, well, how do you feel? I said, I feel good. I said, and I'm expecting great news from you. He said, okay. He, he said, well, you know, he said, I can tell you that the medicine is working. I said, well, you say medicine is working. I say Jesus is working. Amen. And he's like, okay. He said, well, when we started, your heart was 35%. He said, and you had 50% of your heart not working. 
He said, I'm here to tell you right now that 85% of your heart's working and the surgery's on the back burner. I said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. So, y'all, that's why I'm so excited this morning. And we serve an awesome God. Yes, we do. He's no respect to person. What he does for me, he'll do for you guys. Amen. And I'm loud and I can't help it and I love it. <laughs> and that was my Christmas miracle. Praise God. Amen. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. A lot of times we hear things like that and say, well, that's too good to be true. But it is true. But it is true. And she said, the doctor said, the medicine is working. Proverbs says it like this. My son attended my words. Incline your ear to my say. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. If you read in a good marginal Bible, it says, God's word is medicine. So the doctor said, didn't even know what he was saying. Little knew what he was saying. God's word is medicine. See, a lot of people want to go to the doctor because they want to get well. But they won't go to the word of God. Hallelujah. And they still want to get well. Well, God's got a means. God can use doctors, but he ain't got to have no doctors. He is the great physician. He is the great physician. He sent his word. And heal. Yes. If he did it for one, he'll do it for everyone. Yes. Hallelujah. Miracles. Expect things to happen in your life. Amen. The least little thing, the least little thing, show an ounce of gratitude for it. Cultivate it. Like that old woman. It looks like a fairy monster. <laughs> and there it was. She said, yeah, it was, but it had a hole on the end of it. Don't chop your miracle up with your mouth. Cultivate your miracle with your mouth. That's good preaching right there. Amen. Amen. But if things would just turn around, I would praise him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. No, you praise him now. You be thankful. Hallelujah. You be thankful. Amen. Find something this Christmas season to be thankful for. And then hold on to it and start steering your ship toward that. Instead of, you just don't. Hallelujah. You just don't know. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've been in that place of, you just don't know. I don't like that place. I can promise you, I do not like that place. I've been in it, I've lived in it, and I have found a better way. Amen. 
So I am preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The good news. Because that's a sad place. But I have found a happy place. I found a happy place. And he's also delivered me from or redeemed me from poverty. See, under, if you look in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, you will find this. You will find the curse of the law. You will find the blessing of the law and the curse of the law. And brothers and sisters, we've all played the part of the fool and exercised the curse part of the law. But I want you to tell you, there's another side. It's got the blessing. Amen. Jesus came to redeem us. From separation from God. So that I could walk. In this newness of life. Oh what. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He was laying in a manger. In swaddling clothes. And the the shepherds recognized him. He ain't laying in a manger today. And he ain't wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's on, there beside his father on the throne, dressed in majesty on high, and he is the victorious Savior. And he makes intercession for us, and he pleads our case before God. All of the things that Jesus did, brothers and sisters, he didn't do them for Jesus. He did them for us. He did them for us. Now, have we got something to be thankful for? Yes, Amen. If you don't know him, you can know him today and you will have something to be thankful for. Amen. If you do know him, help me praise him. Help me praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stacy, I need you. I need you to help me. You can do this. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all.